Good morning. Let's begin our service by singing hymn number 280. Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. Who like us his praise should sing? Praise him, praise him. Praise him, praise him. Praise the everlasting King. Hymn number 280. scriptural will be given by Imogene from Australia. The Bible, Psalms. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Behold, thou desirest truth, 
in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom, make me to hear joy and gladness, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. But I will sing of thy power. Yea, unto thee, O my strength, will I sing. For God is my defence and the God of my mercy. Let us now have a moment of silent prayer and follow with the Lord's Prayer and its spiritual interpretation as given in the Christian Science textbook. Father, Mother, God, all harmonious. Hallowed be thy name. Adorable One, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom is come. Thou art ever present. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Enable us to know, as in heaven, so on earth, God is omnipotent, supreme. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us grace for today. Feed the famished affections. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And love is reflected in love. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And 
God leadeth us not into temptation, but delivereth us from sin, disease, and death. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. For God is infinite, all power, all life, truth, love, over all and all. Let's now sing hymn number 163. Jesus, what precept is like thine? Forgive as ye would be forgiven. If heeded, oh, what power divine would then transform our earth to heaven. Hymn number 163. Welcome to the Sunday morning service of the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. We begin every Sunday morning here at 10 a.m. with our roundtable discussion, which where we talk about this week's lesson and other topics that need to be discussed and learn how to practice Christian science better in our lives. 
And we had another really good one this morning. So if you missed it, or if you'd like to hear it again, you can find it on our website, plainfieldcs.com. And you'll also be able to find it on our YouTube channel and our Vimeo channel. We have a Sunday school for children that meets at 11. And that Sunday school is available to children anywhere. In fact, many of the children who attend do not live in the area. And they participate by calling our teleconference number, which is dedicated to the Sunday school. And that means that uh, if you don't live in the area and have a child of Sunday school age, your child can also attend. So if you do, call us. We'll give you the number, and we would be very happy to welcome your child to our Sunday school. We have a testimony meeting every Wednesday evening at 8.15 p.m., where you can hear testimonies of healings and lives transformed through the study and practice of Christian science. And at all of our services, we have a nursery for infants and toddlers. We have, I believe, 17 different websites, all in different languages. And through this, the pure truth of Christian science reaches around the world to a lot of people in their own language. And that is our objective, to spread the word to as many people as possible. And everything that is available on our websites is free. Nothing... We don't charge for anything. Freely we have received and freely we give. And that is why we are so grateful to those of you who contribute financially to our church in this tremendous cause. And one of the uh, articles that I'd like to point out that's featured on our English website um, is an article entitled Expressing Divine Intelligence by Martha Wilcox. There's probably a commonly held belief that intelligence can be something other than divine intelligence. But we're fooling ourselves if we think so. Anyway, it's a great article, short and sweet and really good. Expressing Divine Intelligence by Martha Wilcox. Um, I just want to remind everybody that next weekend is the weekend where most of us change our clocks Saturday night. So if you, uh, if you forget to change your clocks Saturday night, next Sunday, you might show up an hour early. And we wouldn't want that to happen. <laughs> Everyone is welcome here. And that includes all of you who are listening and participating from around the world. And now we will have the reading of a testimony of healing from the chapter entitled Fruitage in Science and Health, which demonstrates the power of Christian science and the benefit of studying the Christian science textbook. And that reading 
will be given this morning by Janet from Georgia. Page 682, Many Troubles Overcome. In the second chapter of 1 Peter, ninth verse, I read, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. The periodical so wisely established by our leader gave us one means of showing forth the praises of truth. From the darkness of physical pain and weariness into the light of wholeness and joyousness in work and living from the darkness of a clouded sight into the light of clear vision, from the darkness of doubt and discord into the marvelous light of the reality of good. This is what a reading of the Christian Science textbook has done for me. At the time the book was lent to me, I was teaching in the public schools of Chicago, and absences from my work on account of illness were of frequent occurrence. For five weeks, I had been under the care of a specialist for an organic trouble, and he said I would have to come as many more months before a cure could be effected. At this time, science and health was brought to my notice. I never thought of such a thing as being healed by the reading of the book. But my thought was so changed that I was healed, not only of the organic trouble, but of blurred eyesight, fatigue, and a train of other discordant manifestations. I did not go back to the physician until four months later to pay my bill, which, by the way, was more than five times the price of the science and health I had purchased. From the time I read the book, I taught steadily without losing time from my work. I was helped, too, with my work in many other ways. Through reading the textbook, I learned that God has given us strength to do all we have to do and that it is the things we do not have to do, the envying, strife, emulating, vainglory, and so on, that leave in their wake fatigue and discord. Gratitude to our beloved leader, Mrs. Eddy, and to her faithful students, with whom I afterwards became associated, can be expressed only by daily efforts to put into practice what has been taught. T.H.A. Madison, Wisconsin. The Bible and the Christian Science Textbook are our only preachers. We shall now read scriptural texts and their correlative passages from our textbook. These comprise our sermon. The canonical writings, together with the word of our textbook, corroborating and explaining the Bible texts in their denominational spiritual import, and application to all ages, past, present, and future, constitute a sermon undivorced from truth, uncontaminated or fettered by human hypotheses, and authorized by Christ. 
Today's lesson sermon can be found on page 10 of the Independent Christian Science Quarterly. Subject, Everlasting Punishment. The golden text is from Proverbs. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. The responsive reading is from Psalms. The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity, until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Amanda from Missouri will now read. The Bible. Job. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. Matthew. Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, why do thy disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophecy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And he called the multitude, and said unto them, Hear, and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples, and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. James for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. 
Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Thus a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter. Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Ephesians This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers.
and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. First Peter Wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and to unfeigned love of the brethren, be that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Hebrews For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son, whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Or what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Bruce will now read. I will read correlative passages from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, by Mary Baker Eddy. In divine science, man is the true image of God. The divine nature was best expressed in Christ Jesus, who threw upon mortals the truer reflection of God and lifted their lives higher than their poor thought models would allow, thoughts which presented man as fallen, sick, sinning, and dying. The Christ-like understanding of scientific being and divine healing includes a perfect principle and idea, perfect God and perfect man, as the basis of thought and demonstration. If man was once perfect but has now lost his perfection, then mortals have never beheld in man the reflex image of God. The lost image 
is no image. The true likeness cannot be lost in divine reflection. Understanding this, Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Since God is all, there is no room for his unlikeness. God, Spirit, alone created all and called it good. Therefore, evil, being contrary to good, is unreal and cannot be the product of God. A sinner cannot receive no encouragement from the fact that science demonstrates the unreality of evil, for the sinner would make a reality of sin, would make that real which is unreal, and thus heap up wrath against the day of wrath. He is joining in a conspiracy against himself against his own awakening to the awful unreality by which he has been deceived. Only those who repent of sin and forsake the unreal can fully understand the unreality of evil. Love and truth make free, but evil and error lead into captivity. The sinner makes his own hell by doing evil, and the saint his own heaven by doing right. Mortals must follow Jesus' sayings and his demonstrations, which dominate the flesh. Perfect and infinite mind enthroned is heaven. The evil beliefs which originate in mortals are hell. The design of love is to reform the sinner. If the sinner's punishment here has been insufficient to reform him, the good man's heaven would be a hell to the sinner. They who know not purity and affection by experience can never find bliss in the blessed company of truth and love simply through translation into another sphere. Divine science reveals the necessity of sufficient suffering either before or after death, to quench the love of sin. To remit the penalty due for sin would be for truth to pardon error. Escape from punishment is not in accordance with God's government, since justice is the handmaid of mercy. Sin is its own punishment. Do you ask wisdom to be merciful and not to punish sin? Then ye ask amiss. 
Without punishment, sin would multiply. Jesus' prayer, forgive us our debts, specified also the terms of forgiveness. When forgiving the adulterous woman, he said, Go and sin no more. A magistrate sometimes remits the penalty, but this may be no moral benefit to the criminal, and at best it only saves the criminal from one form of punishment. The moral law, which has the right to acquit or condemn, always demands restitution before mortals can go up higher. Broken law brings penalty in order to compel this progress. The basic error is mortal mind. Hatred inflames the brutal propensities. The indulgence of evil motives and aims makes any man who is above the lowest type of manhood a hopeless sufferer. Christian science commands man to master the propensities, to hold hatred in abeyance with kindness, to conquer lust with chastity, revenge with charity, and to overcome deceit with honesty. Choke these errors in their early stages if you would not cherish an army of conspirators against health, happiness, and success. They will deliver you to the judge, the arbiter of truth against error. The judge will deliver you to justice, and the sentence of the moral law will be executed upon mortal mind and body. Both will be manacled until the last farthing is paid, until you have balanced your account with God. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The good man finally can overcome his fear of sin. This is sin's necessity to destroy itself. Immortal man demonstrates the government of God good, in which is no power to sin. It were better to be exposed to every plague on earth than to endure the cumulative effects of a guilty conscience. The abiding consciousness of wrongdoing tends to destroy the ability to do right. If sin is not regretted and is not lessening, then it is hastening on to physical and moral doom. You are conquered by the moral penalties you incur and the ills they bring. The pains of sinful sense are less harmful than its pleasures. 
Belief in material suffering causes mortals to retreat from their error, to flee from body to spirit, and to appeal to divine sources outside of themselves. But the belief in sin is punished so long as the belief lasts. Belief produces the results of belief, and the penalties it affixes last so long as the belief and are inseparable from it. The remedy consists in probing the trouble to the bottom, in finding and casting out by denial the error of belief which produces a mortal disorder, never honoring erroneous belief with the title of law, nor yielding obedience to it. Truth, life, and love are the only legitimate and eternal demands on man, and they are spiritual lawgivers, enforcing obedience through divine statutes. Christians must take up arms against error at home and abroad. They must grapple with sin in themselves and in others and continue this warfare until they have finished their course. If they keep the faith, they will have the crown of rejoicing. Eventually, both sin and suffering will fall at the feet of everlasting love. We will now have a moment of silent prayer for our world. Father, thou joy of loving hearts, 
thou fount of life, thou light of men. From all the best that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. Hymn number 56.
Let's now sing hymn number 137. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. Hymn number 137.
I will read from the Christian Science textbook, The Scientific Statement of Being, and the correlative passage from 1 John, 3rd chapter. There is no life, truth, intelligence, nor substance in matter. All is infinite mind and its infinite manifestation, for God is all in all. Spirit is immortal truth. Matter is mortal error. Spirit is the real and eternal. Matter is the unreal and temporal. Spirit is God, and man is his image and likeness. Therefore, man is not material. He is spiritual. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Psalms. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. Amen.